Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Will. I'm joined today by Dee McCluskey, author of The Special Stuff, Cravings, Zola, and several others in all genres. How are you doing? I'm not so bad, mate. Yourself? Doing pretty well. What's it like over there right now? The weather good? You're over in uh, Liverpool. It's it's Baltic. I am absolutely freezing. That's why you can, and a, a lot of people won't be able to see me, but I'm actually sitting here in me uh, in me in me comfies in me me lounge suit, <laughs> trying to keep myself warm. You're pulling it off pretty well. <laughs> well, you know, it goes with my eyes. <laughs> so I start every episode by asking, "What is your favorite horror movie of all time?" Oof, jeez, go go straight in there, aren't you? Um, if you had to pick favorite, one. Favorite horror movie of all time is uh, it's a toss up between bum, bum, the Blair Witch Project and American Werewolf in London. Ooh, two vastly different movies. Yes, but two movies that American Werewolf in London was probably one of the first horror films I ever saw. Which when I was a kid, right? When I when when I was a kid, I was like, um, I, I slept with the lights on till I was about twenty-two. I was I was a proper <laughs> scared kid, um, and I watched American Werewolf in London when I was about I, I don't know, I must have been early teens, and it scared the living daylights out of me. It absolutely and utterly knocked my socks off. Um, the scene where he's running through the where he's running through the forest and he sees himself in the bed. Mm-hmm. And he runs up, and then he he opens his eyes, and he's got like the wolf face. Oh, right, that's still that's still up here, and I still wake up in the middle of the night, going, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" <laughs> um, so, and that one, and the Blair Witch Project, and the, the the reason why I love the Blair Witch Project is because you don't get to see the bad guy, you don't get to see big bad, you don't get to see the monster. It's all in your head, and you have to think about how scary them situations are, them scenarios are. I That film was a proper game changer for me, a real game changer. Oh, yeah, All when it came things. out, too, everybody thought it was real. I know, which, was, which I thought was absolutely and utterly fantastic. They had, like, websites set up and everything, didn't they, for the car rental companies and the places that they went to. They really went the extra mile with that film. Yeah, I think they made it so the actors couldn't talk about it for the first couple of months afterward. So it made it give the illusion they were actually missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I I read that like they had like sleep deprivation, and you know, they 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 they, they starved them a little bit and stuff like that. And they didn't know that they were going to get starved and stuff like that. So I think when they said, "Don't talk about it," I think they were actually so scared of these producers that they didn't talk about it. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Don't talk about it, we'll starve you. <laughs> I think uh, there's a movie recently that came out that's similar to Blair Witch Project in the um, way it's very moody and the lighting and like the scope of it. It's called uh, Skinamarink. Have you heard of that one? No, I've not heard of that one. No, uh, it just is came it out an recently. Indie film or is it a big, a big, a big one? Uh, it's an indie film from Shutter. Do you have yeah. Shutter over there? You, do you know what we've got Shudder, but it's a really watered down version of Shudder. We have we, we don't get anything like the films that you guys get. I think on our show there we have like the, the big film this month is Jaws three. Oh really? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it's that, better that's than the Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one with the that's roaring what... shark, or am I thinking of Part Four, 
with a shark I roars. Think that's bad isn't isn't oh no, it's it's which one had Michael Caine in it? Ah, uh, that it was four, I think. Was it four? That's the one. That's the one that's on show. There. That's the big movie this month. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Bit different. Twenty five pound a month, and you get to see Jaws four. <laughs> so let's talk to me about some of your projects coming up here. What's your uh, next move? Uh, sorry, next book coming out. Well, me ne- well, my next book coming out isn't. It, it's not really a horror book as such, um, but it's a it's a it's a brutal, bloody psycho psychological horror, a psychological thriller. Sorry, not a horror, and it's called The Boyfriend, um, and it's um, it's it's all about how well. Do you know the people in your life and what the monsters really look like? Do they look like the monsters that you see on a film or do they look like everyday people who you you have in your life? So it's a little bit of, of, of a of a um kind of a mystery, but very much, very much in a thriller genre as opposed to horror, unless you want to call real life horror, which some people do. Mm. Yeah. Um so it's basically it's about it's about a girl who, who's like she's sixteen and she gets herself this boyfriend, um, and you know as as you'll probably guess nothing is as it seems, because uh, otherwise it'd be a pretty boring book, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like she gets this boyfriend and they live happily ever after. There you go. He was the perfect end. to the end. He was <laughs> he was lovely and his mom and a mom and dad loved him. Um, no, it's a, it's it, it, things take it things take things take a couple of turns. Uh, down the way, so yeah, it's a um, it's a proper novel. Like, I think it's ninety three thousand words. Wow! So it's a, like it, it's one that you can get your um, you can get your chops into. Now, what's your process yeah, like, like for writing something of that scope? Oh, mate, it's a uh, well. I've, I've been writing this. I've been writing this book for about probably around about three years. Um, but what I do, the way, the how I write is. I'll get the I, I can get the first draft down. I can get like an eighty five thousand word draft down in about three to four weeks. But then wow. I, I close it. Then I move it to one side, and then I, and then another. I bring another project forward, and then I'll edit that project, or I'll, I'll go through a reiteration of, of of that project, and then two or three times down the line, I'll bring the boyfriend back again, and then I'll do a, another run through. So it you know it's 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 been. Inclimated, right? Inclimated is that a word I've just made up? I think you might have just made that one up. <laughs> no, it's a British. It's a British word. Yeah, there you go. There we if, go. If it is, if I have just made it up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get royalties on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this. So it's so the, the 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 actual physical writing of it probably take took me about I don't know probably about a year, but I've been working on it for about three, maybe four years. Um, hmm. So, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really made up with it. I'm like proper. It's got to the point. It's got to the bit now where, yeah, I've just sent it off to the editor, and uh, I've set this one's set in in America. So, uh, what Lisa's done is she's she's picked up on all my Britishisms and changed them all to Americanisms, and it's like, and you think to yourself, I've never understood how I, I've never really fathomed how different the language is between the two countries you both speak the same language mm-hmm. it's yeah it's mad it's it's re- it's really nuts yeah i know it's over there good. um pissed means drunk and over here it means yeah. angry it means angry yeah 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 definitely definitely and you have drapes drapes <laughs> we, we've got curtains <laughs> <laughs> it's funny 
It really is. It really is. But but it's not when you get there. When you get the edits come back and Lisa's gone, like she's gone. Oh yeah, this one's all right. We've only got three thousand two hundred changes. <laughs> and you're like, what? Is that not that many. Yeah, it's a, it's it, it's an it's an interesting afternoon's work. Tell you. So your work schedule? Do you give yourself like a a word count to hit every day, or do you have like an, a lot of time? No, no, I don't put myself under that amount of pressure. Um, what a what I, what I do is uh, I work nine to five, so I've got like a, I've got like a regular job, which which we won't talk about because I, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> um, but what I do is I'm, I'm an early riser, so I'm up at half past five slash six o'clock every morning, uh, including the weekends, and that's just not because I want to write. That's because my body just goes, Dave, hello, wake up. So I'm um, I'm up and about at like. Six at the very latest. So I'm writing then from six till half past eight when I have to log on to work because I work from home. And then because I work from home, I can uh, I can get the odds like half an hour in here and half an hour in there and stuff like that. So so I tend to write in the morning and then round about half past seven, eight o'clock at night, my brain is so frazzled. I've got nothing left in me. I've just got to sit there and look and stare blankly at a television screen with my mouth open and dribbling from both sides of my mouth. <laughs> About the same way. I also work from home, so I can understand that struggle. Yeah, it's a killer, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sitting all day in front of a computer, it's uh <laughs> makes you not want to do that anymore. <laughs> no, yeah. And the only person I've got to talk to, because everyone goes to work and school and stuff like that, so the only person I've got to talk to is the dog. And he doesn't answer back. And if he does answer back, he, he brings up some some good points. <laughs> yeah. be your next story <laughs> uh, you write across a, you write like several genres too like i know you write kids books as well what is that like going between genres it's, it's you know what it's surprisingly easy i mean i don't know i don't know whether um anybody else struggles doing doing that but it's surprisingly easy for me because the way the way i write it's just sort of like by perchance that i've fallen into being a horror writer because I just, I just get the idea in, in my head, and no matter what genre it is, it just bangs around in my head, and, and and then I have to write it. So whether that's an extreme horror novella or novel, or whether it's a, it's a children's picture book about about my dog or you know Santa's reindeer or something like that, it it, it, it doesn't matter. My muse or whatever you want to call it just just vomits it out. So. I tend, I like to keep me same voice through whether it's extreme horror, whether it's science fiction or whether it's um, thrillers or whether it's children's. I like to keep the same voice and, I, you know, so, so, so you can tell, I like to think that you can tell it's one of my books, even though it's a, like, it, it, it's a completely different genre than what you read last time. Do you use a pseudonym or anything or do you use them all the same name? No, no, no. I don't want the kids going looking and finding Zola. <laughs> that would just there would be there would be lawsuits and and the kids would need therapy for years to come. Um, no, I write as as um as an adult as the adult books I write D. E. McCluskey, and as the kids books, um, I write I really disguise it by calling myself Dave McCluskey. <laughs> so it's good differentiation there. Yeah, there you go. It's like it's like Dave or DE, but there you go. Uh, who are some so, of your yeah, influences? So it's a, it's a one. Sorry, what? Uh, who are some of your influences? Um, 
my main influence for my me horror writing and my adult writing is um, James Herbert. Mm. James Herbert is probably my favourite author of all time. Uh, I know loads of people say Stephen. Stephen King was me was my first author, my first favourite. If you know what I mean, the one that's the one that, like everybody sort of like breaks the cherry with, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but James Herbert for me because when I read a Stephen King novel. They were always based in in this 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 place called Maine, and you know, and it, and it, it sounded gorgeous. It was it was freezing cold in the winter with snow, and it was like roasting hot in the summers. And these kids were having fantastic summers, although even though all this like horrific stuff was happening to them. And I and I me coming from Liverpool, who'd never been to America um, until I was old, until I was a lot older. I never understood it. I just thought it was just like a fantasy, like lovely fantasy place. But James Herbert wrote about, he wrote in Britain and all his books were, they were like in like a, in like a cold little village or like a, uh, like an inner city slum or something like that. And and because they were British, I could, I could relate to them. I could get them. So, so James Herbert was definitely, definitely one of my main influences, especially with my first novel, which is called The Twelve, which is basically a um, James Herbert novel. <laughs> I know you do uh, comic books too. How did that come about? Which books, sorry? Uh, comic books. Oh, the comic books, yeah. Well, I started off doing comic books, and that was my first love. Uh, I, I was always like a like in this back in the in the late seventies, early eighties. I had a cousin who lived in Scotland, or still lives in Scotland, but he's got this huge collection of like all the, the all the early Marvel and DC stuff. Must be worth a fortune. I hope he's leaving it to me when he dies. Um, and he he got me he got me into it all he got me into like like all the amazing Spider Man and he had the first he had he had the, he had the first edition with um, um, Venom mm. and it was the first time Venom turned up with that in the Spider Man comics and stuff like that and I just loved it and so when I got into writing stories and stuff like that and and and, and picking up uh, the, the 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 tales that I wanted to tell what I did is I picked up the copy of Watchmen. And uh, like Watchmen's like the, the 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 best graphic novel ever written, mm-hmm. ever. Full stop. End of end the conversation. And I taught myself. I, I took a chapter out of Watchmen, and I taught myself how to script. How I would think that them panels were created, uh, and that's how I that's how I so I, I, I self taught myself how to uh, how to how to script graphic novels, and then that's how I that's how I really did the like started off, started off with a couple of children's ones called Interesting Times. And then I did more, um, I did more uh, adulty stuff after that. Hmm. Yeah. But so I, like, as I, you were I, like, I, sorry, I, I love the graphic novel. I love that um, the, the media of the graphic novel, but because I can't draw, I can't draw a stick. Do you know what I mean? Obviously it is, if, if it says like draw a square box, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> I have to pay an artist, so it costs me a fortune to make a graphic novel. And the the offset of of how well they sell to how much they they make the the cost to make it's just a little bit of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Like the financial mm-hmm. realities of doing this kind of stuff is actually interesting to hear about all the time because, like, it's a reality yeah. to the job. Well, it is, yeah, because like you basically what what you 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 know you 
you're, you're, you're pissing bunny left, right, and centre, basically. Yeah. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And uh, but but you, but we carry on doing it because we love it so much. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. the fans love you I too. I don't. I don't tell the missus how much money it costs. So mm-hmm. we just we just keep that between us. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. So comic books. Were you a fan of like the Sandman? Yeah yeah. Um, what's the guy's name? Mike. Oh. Uh, Neil Gaiman. No, no, no. When when Neil when Neil passed it over to, uh, he's the guy who wrote, um, the girl with all the gifts. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what was that guy's name? Mike Mike something. And he's from he's from he's from Crosby. He's from where I live here in Liverpool. Um, and when he took it over, when he took it over from Neil, I thought it went better. I mean, don't get me. Neil Gaiman is one of my all time favorites. His his novels. And the, 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 the graveyard tales and um, American Gods are just absolutely unbelievable. But I always liked the Sandman and stuff like that. And when when Mike took it over, <laughs> do you know what? He's probably going to go off his head that I can't remember his name. <laughs> Mike Mike something. Yeah. Mike Sandman. Mike Let's something. just call him Mike Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I love all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. So what's your idea of success as a writer? Like what to you is like reaching it and actually achieving the dream? I don't know. Because I mean there's there's obviously there's the there's, there's the financials of it all, isn't it? You know what I mean? I mean, I I would love because because I, I I write really um kind of like 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 cinematically. So one of the one of the one of the reviews that I always get, and it's like it's like a recurring review, is that I, that the people can see it as a film because that's how I write it. So maybe success for me would be one of my books being made into a film or a series. Um, definitely, definitely, a, you know, a couple of million in the bank and a and a, and a little place in Rio Beach with a couple of hula girls, and um, you know, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, mate, this this is boss. I I love doing podcasts, and uh, yours is a good one. I was was listening to the one that you did, I think, the last time with the the, the narrator. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Steven. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, and um, because I had to look, uh, because I've got a couple of audio books out, and and his voice sounded very much like the guy who I did the last one with. Um, but it wasn't him. <laughs> I heard so his voice, funny. and I was like, "Please narrate all my books." <laughs> he, he has got the he's got that voice, hasn't he? He's like, "Yeah, let's uh, let's all go surfing." And you think to yourself, "Wow!" <laughs> Even all my books based in England, he can narrate them. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a pretty good impression too. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I was listening to it for a while. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, and I uh, hope you have a well good day. Oh, mate, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, you take it easy. Thank you. You too. All right, bye. Cheers, man. Thank you. Hey, Family Fright Night listeners. It's your host, Chase Will, here to quickly tell you about my latest novel, Moving Through, available now at Amazon.com. Moving Through follows a group of high school seniors as they mourn the death of their mentor while inciting a school-wide rebellion against censorship. Clay McLeod Chapman, author of Ghost Eaters, calls Moving Through a clenched jaw of a novel, complete with brutally candid prose that reads like gritted teeth. Anderson Prunty, author of Dreaditation, calls Moving Through a visceral soul punch of a book. You can find Moving Through at Amazon.com or at ChaseWill.com. Hope you check it out.